with you, if I may. Um, Paul is the director of Talon, born in 2016. Um, Paul is incredibly detailed. He's got a heavy focus on marketing and brand materials that emphasise not only the client experience, but indeed the investment solutions that's going to impact and indeed provide outcomes for those client experiences and goals. But more importantly, is a heavy believer in educating children, a uh, beautiful Dalmatian dog, um, and indeed looks, um, I'd fair to say, a key focus on well-being for your clients. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's, a, it's a, the evolution of, of financial planning, and, and Chris Turkey will tell you that at the Institute of Financial Wellbeing. Uh, I'm very uh, uh, keen to talk to my clients more about that subject. Fab. And Paul, um, it's fair to say, or at least I think from our conversations, I've certainly sort of come away with the phrase, um, live your best life. Can you share with everybody in the room today, I guess, the journey to success today? You know, Tandem was born in 2016, didn't become a million pound revenue business overnight. So just kind of give us some insight, share some tips on, you know, you today, the business and, and where you've got to. Sure, okay. Thanks very much, Kate. Uh, so yeah, I am Paul Tiller, Talent Financial. Uh, my business uh, started in, in the middle of 2016 in, in May, uh, and I sort of uh, left the previous firm uh, where I was there for 16 years and, and sort of set up on my own. And everyone would tell me, you know, you can't do it, or it's going to be more difficult, there'll be more work to do, you'll have to work harder. And I've actually found the opposite. For example, I'm quite headstrong, um, and like a male boss, that's a part of it, but um, it didn't start, you know, at zero. In 2016, we already had, give or take, 175 client families and 44 million of assets. So, it's the middle of 2016, it's uh, just prior to, to Brexit, of course, and I was, uh, you know, for a long time thinking, how am I going to develop my brand? How am I going to develop my business? What am I going to do differently? Uh, I think I just sort of got on with it and, and sort of looked after my existing clients, but the emphasis was never, how can I get to a million pounds? I never thought that was possible. I, I sort of, uh, you have in your mind these figures, you say, well, I'm 44, I get to 50, and, and, and then you get to a point where it's not about the assets and the management, it's not about the turnover, it was about, can I live, can I have a nice lifestyle, can I look after my clients and do a good job, and what does success mean to me? And for me, that was just doing the best that I could, the best job. So as we, I'm very proud of developing the Tandem brand, the Tandem website, and um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been a, a journey where now, after what's seven years now, of course, uh, coming up for the middle of, middle of May, uh, we, we've sort of got 125 million of assets. And you think, how did, how did that happen? You know, the turnover is 1.2 million, and we, we started this ourselves. Uh, as a sole advisor, my wife does the, the books uh, about six, eight hours a week. Um, and I have a full-time power planner and a, an administrator who's sort of a practice manager, client services manager, all in one. Um, so looking for a new member of staff, but, you know, absolutely love what I do, and um, you know, we've we got to this this point, and I think we'll talk later about what the future holds for Tandem. But I uh, feel very privileged to uh, be an advisor and uh, just really enjoy what I do. Thanks, Paul. And from your point of view, is there any kind of key differentiators? You know, uh, we spoke, and I understand kind of your um, processes and the ways that you approach when you're dealing with clients, introducing to new clients. Can you talk us a little bit around what you think you do differently? Yeah, sure. I, it's um, so I think, well, all my business over the last six or seven years has come from referral. You know, so I, I absolutely believe that if you do a really, really great job for your clients, you're more, much more likely to get uh, referrals. And I'm quite selective on who I take on. So, um, you know, you, you get to a point where you think you, early into your IFA or financial planning career, you think, oh, a client with 200 or 300,000 there. I said, client, I love that. 
And, and my sort of criteria now has been not necessarily the level of assets, but it's part of it. it it's this notion of, uh, is there a good fit between myself and the client? Um, yes, I'm going to talk to them about their income and their assets. And normally, if you're working with wealthy clients, they'll refer you to other wealthy clients. And remember, they don't do it to, to sort of try and make you some money. They do it to try and get, uh, have their friends and their clients have the same experience that you're giving them. You know, so um, I'm, uh, we take on last year, we took on five new clients. Uh, in a nutshell, the way I've built the, the business the, to the level that I have is I'm encouraging existing clients to put on new money and regular premiums. You know, I, I've seen other advisors that don't do that. They take their clients, transactional. It's all relationship with me, lots of correspondence and encourage them to put money on. Obviously, markets go up, and so they have done over the last seven years. That's been part of it. And working with clients, typically with a million pound plus of assets. Um, so the top 75 client families are about 1.2 million. And, you know, we just, we keep it simple. We just, we just, I don't do anything super complicated, nothing out of the ordinary, just uh, ISA's general account pension, you know, keep it simple. What's the average age? So the average age is, is we looked at this the other day, it's about 54. Yeah, so I'm, I'm now thinking, all right, you've got younger clients, I'll get them on board, so we get a lot of the children on board, and uh, Kate's this weekend there on educating children, trying to get them involved as part of that client family, you know, succession planning. Warren, thank you for joining us today. Warren is uh, the director of Exxon Was. He is most definitely famous for being a financial planning coach. He's uh, a number one selling author. And for those of you who haven't read it, definitely worth purchasing the money plan on Amazon. And um, very much around uh, coaching, educating, and the journey again that your clients are going to experience coming on board with Lexington Wealth. And um, fair to say that I think your key phrase throughout all of your presentations, materials, and general ethos from the business is live life by design. Um, and certainly what your clients are going to get from Lexington Wealth and certainly the relationship with you. Again, similar question to you, Warren, as to Paul around, you know, what has your journey looked like today? How have you become Lexington Wealth and, and what is it, I guess, that's taken you from D-Day to today? Okay, so um, I started in 1995, so I've been in the game quite a long time. And I was very fortunate in my early career to meet a chap called Paul Etheridge. And it was in Southampton in an LIA uh, train. It's about 1997. And I walked into a room probably about this size, but a lot fuller. And I squeezed into the all back. All right, all right. I know, but I'm just saying how impressive this guy was. He was stood on stage talking about fees and, and financial planning and cash flow. And I was at the back thinking, how does he get people to pay him? How does he get people? To, this is 1997. And I was just in awe. I was struck. So I was very fortunate. I trained with Paul for a number of years. And so from day one, we were a financial planning firm. And I don't say on this derogatory or rude, there are a lot of people who call themselves a financial planning firm and they use it to gather assets. And we are a financial planning firm. And the phrase live life by design, not default, is th the theme of our planning meetings. So how do you want to live the rest of your life? What is it you want to do? And that develops into a coaching style of work. So I don't call myself a lifestyle planner or lifestyle. We're a financial planner and we do true financial planning with our clients. And we get very passionate and in trying to get them to really live life by design. If I see a cash flow going up, I feel I've failed. You know, I don't want to see the client have, you know, 100 million at age 100. That's ridiculous. The aim is for our clients to enjoy their wealth. And this is what, so I want our clients and we, all of our clients get one or two uh, scenarios. One is die with zero which is basically how much more can they spend, give away, or enjoy now uh, up until 85, so they've got 100,000 liquid, okay? And the other is, what's your number? 
you know, how much do you need to accumulate so that you never have to work again? Um, and these things are very powerful for your client if you go through these scenarios. So start with Paul, did a lot of training with Paul and started Lexington Wealth and it was growing brilliantly. And like Paul, we don't, we're not on any referral sites, not on unbiased or any of the other ones that you might think of. We only get clients uh, through referrals. So through client referrals and testimonials and obviously Google searches and such like. And um, I noticed that the clients were wealthier and wealthier, okay, which is a byproduct of a successful financial planning firm. And it's not an ego boost, it's just what happens. But it didn't sit right with me. I'm a very loyal and true person, very honest. And when I started the firm, um, I was working with clients who had less assets. And that then put me into the market. So well, how can I help these individuals? You know, the chap from Vanguard was talking about the advice gap. I'm very passionate about, I think personally, financial planning should be for everyone. I think AI and technology will help us deliver that. Um, I can't do that with the amount of time I have available, but I can do something towards it. So that's why I wrote the money plan. I wrote the money plan is a five stages of what I take my clients through. Um, it's a simplified replication of my process. And the first third of the book is step one. And that's what's your outcome? How do you live the rest of your life? So if you think the whole first third, now I've got step two, three, four, and five, in the smallest section is step five, which is how to invest. So it's really about giving a true financial planning experience. Um, I did that and then I expanded the uh, education side. I was very fortunate to be picked up um, by a number of newspapers. I did work on the TV, on ITV and BBC. And really my aim now um, along the coacher side is to get financial education into schools. And I would like to fact that, you know, if I keep going one day, one hour a week on the curriculum of just teaching money management, we fantastic. And then we've really got a proper profession because I tell you guys, this is the best profession in the world. We get to help people live life by design. If we're doing the right job, we're being congruent. So we're doing it ourselves and we get paid extremely well for it. So, uh, yeah. You're listening to Retirementals. I think it's fair to say, Paul, you've actually got a client that um, I think it's fair to say doesn't like taking holidays. And I think you're actually the encourager for that they take more holidays and they're the ones that are fearful. But yet. Yeah, that, that's right. It's, um, it's similar to, to Warren. When, you, when you're working with clients with, with money and then you, you, uh, you, you actually think after a while, what am I selling? You know, what am I what am I doing for them? Uh, is what I'm charging them fair and reasonable? And, um, you know, how am I going to differentiate my, differentiate myself from from the typical advisor, if you like? Um, so, so when a client's got quite a lot of money, I'm very keen to talk to them about what they're going to do with it. You know, it's all well and good uh, trying to add value through filling ISAs and pensions and talking to them about tax planning and all of that. But actually, it's far more interesting and it's more fun for me to talk to them about what happens next. You know, we call it their second life. You know, I don't like this term retirement. Uh, it's about what they're going to do next. What does the future hold? And if you start to talk to them about that, you know, their eyes light up and they're going, OK, uh, you know, I, uh, I really like holidays. And then you have to question them. Um, OK, so when was the last holiday you went on? And when they start to talk about what they want to do, um, you know, I, I will encourage it. And so, yeah, one of my videos on my website with the, with the grants, you know, I, I, we talk about this fun stuff. And they said, oh, I, he, he Paul's more keen for me to take holidays than I am. And I, it's because it's fun talking to them about that stuff. And what they're buying your body language. Because as Maya, Maya Angelou said, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you make them feel. You know, so I'm very much a case of trying to be flamboyant, well not flamboyant, energetic, enthusiastic, you know, and, and just be myself, but bring some personality into the meeting and have it, have it fun. Make it fun. Yeah, get them to spend their money. You Indeed. shouldn't be afraid of that. 
<laughs> I guess, um, I don't know about everybody else in the room, but it, it all sounds very easy. You know, the way you talk is um, obvious, but actually it isn't so obvious to everybody who may be starting out, trying to grow their plans, uh, sorry, firms, uh, expand their plans. So can you kind of talk us through some more day-to-day -day kind of, you know, what do you do? You know, is it the case that, you know, you both work reduced um, days, i.e. Warren, you're on four days a week. Uh, talk us through your hours. Do you delegate, you know, do power planners come into your meetings and then do they delegate? You did okay. I just give up. Right, let me, okay, let me explain, right. let me explain the typical week. So I only see clients Monday to Wednesday. Um, I have meetings at 10 o'clock or 2 o'clock or possibly 4 o'clock and that's it. Um, I don't make my meetings, my PA does. If I'm on the phone with someone, I'll book it, but typically my PA runs my diary. So anyone says I have to go, all clients obviously come in-house or on Teams or Zoom. So anyone who says, you know, I'm working all these God out hours, it's just, you, it sounds a, 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 almost a patronizing thing to say, but if you allow your clients to do that, then they will take advantage of it, yeah? So 10 o'clock, two o'clock or four o'clock, um, and typically planning meetings, which is where we give our advice at 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, after the planning meetings, planning meetings is typically an hour and a half, two hours long. After the planning meeting, I'll have some lunch and a break around 12, and then I'll write my minutes up, and they're normally dictated. So I've actually now transferred across to um, just talking into the computer, but either dictate or talking to the computer. Um, I send a round-robin email to my team of all the actions, what goes on, and then they take it over. All the actions get put on the task list, um, and they implement everything that goes on from there. Um, Thursdays are meeting day, so in the morning we have a, a what we call a level 10 meeting, taken from the traction book, and we have a team huddle, so that's a, everyone's involved with that, and that's pretty much bringing everyone onto the same page, what's going on, any issues. Um, one thing that we, Paul and I have just been speaking prior to this, one thing came to note is the staff rarely interrupt me during the day, so the staff very, very, like maybe once a week will come in and speak to me and, and ask me for something, because they know they've got that time on a Thursday to bring everything off. Any issues, just go onto the issues list and it gets raised. There's no need for them to come to me if there's an urgent thing, obviously. Um, and then, as Kate said, I work a four-day week, and that's because when people ask me how long did it take you to write the money plan, I ask them, well, where do you want me to start? From having the idea, it probably took about six years. From actually writing the first word, it probably about six months. And that's because I believe in block time, uh, almost like from the Dan Sullivan process, um, three days, buffer days, focus days. And so I blocked off a Friday to write my book. So I'd wake up, take my kids to school in the morning, wake up in the morning, take the kids, go into the, uh, writing and just start writing. I'd write at least five, 600 words a day. And if I couldn't, I'd work on the Saturday and do it. Now, that took me about six months and the business didn't change. We actually grew over that period of time. And I thought, well, if I can do the same amount of work in four days, why would I go back to doing five? So I just carried on with the four days. Um, and it's fun and I you get a bit bored, if I'm honest. So um, I've now started a coaching business. So now we coach other finance planners on a Friday um, to do, you know, run the firm like Lexington. So that's pretty much what I do week to week to week. I work 40 weeks of the year, 12 weeks off. Um, and But I have done that now for 20 plus years. Paul? Yeah, so how do, how do I follow that? Um, listen, I, I'll, it all sounds um, almost like showing off if you're saying, right, well, I only do this much time and I, the clients don't interrupt, they all come to see me and this is what I do. Well, all, I'm all I'm gonna tell you is, is, is my story. You know, the bottom line is you, you gotta find what works for you, you do. But, but, but I think, uh, I like the uh, Morgan Housel uh, uh, quote, controlling your time is the best dividend money pays. And I, I know a lot of advisors who seem to, 
no disrespect, but faff about, you know, going to a million conferences, tweet, uh, social media, reading everything under the sun, writing literature. Ri Listen, I don't do half of that. I, I buy in articles and I check them. You know, I have someone do all my uh, social media for me. You know, I delegate, delegate. You know, we, we when there's just myself, a para planner and a, an administrator, I don't really need to have lots and lots of meetings with them. You know, insofar as big team meetings once a week to say what's everything doing, because we all know what we're doing. They're, they're really good people. If you've got really brilliant staff, they just, I just let them get on with it. Unlike uh, Warren, I seem to have little meetings during the day with them, and I say, oh, Catherine, can you come up and see me? We'll chat through this. And so as much as I like this idea of embracing AI and having my, my minutes you know, transposed into some text or whatever and, and having all meetings recorded, I think I'm a bit more old school insofar as I have a meeting with a client, um, my power planners don't sit in on it, no one sits in on it. Um, you know, they do take an hour and a half, two hours, but uh, after that I'll have a meeting with Catherine and say, this is what happened, type this up, send it out. You know, um, and little meetings throughout the days to say, how's this going, how's that going, can you come and see me? So, you know, I, I, I figured out a long time ago um, this, the idea of, of how do you control your time? How do you, how do you, what do you need to do to, to get the job done, do the advice, so you're not working 60 hours a week? And so I probably do 35 to 40 hours, but there's no evening work, there's no weekends. And so, you know, all the clients come to see me. I've got a, a nice home uh, renovated barn. It's, it's, uh, we, we did it specifically, we bought this place so that we could have it there and you encourage all clients to come and see me. So when the clients say, can you come to my house? Can you do this? You're like, no. It, it, not in a, you don't say it in a, in a nasty way. You, you're gonna talk to them and say, all the, th the technology's here, my staff are here, you know, the photocopier's here, the software, all everything's here, you, you know, you come to see me, that's how it works. When was the last time you was asked to go to the house? So I've, I've been asked, but not anymore. Um, I've got one or two that, that sort of still expect it, and I'm trying to phase that out. But generally, you know, it's, it's two meetings a week, so it's 80 meetings a year I'll do. And you think, well, how, how is the 220 client families and you only do 80 meetings a year? It's, it's because the, the top 75 client families, they're not all on an annual review. Some of them are biennially. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't do a face-to-face -face meeting with every client every year. You know, so that's just, I do it with the top clients and the others, you know, get so the other service. If you have two client meetings a week and you don't meet with your staff, what do you do the rest of the time? I, I've walk, got to ask walk myself, the shop on Amazon, I think, and just, yeah, still faffing about. It takes food pictures. There's, there's a period during the day, I'm a big believer in flow, so there's a period during the day where you've got to decide when, you're gonna, when you want to be on form. If you've got stuff to do, um, and you're well-rested, and, you, and you know, you've, you've, you've eaten and all the rest of it, uh, Jeff Bezos talks about this, and how he doesn't have meetings until like, till like half, 10, 11, and he's got to be on top form. So I think there's a period during the day, you decide whether it's in the evening or morning for you. For me, it's between probably 10 and 12, and then, and then sort of 1.30 till, till 3. Uh, three hours of the day, I can be on fire. Fi quick emails, you've got to learn to type quick, you know, you've got to learn to delegate, and you manage, and you empower. But, but it's just, you, you can't be working solidly five meetings a day. I don't know any advisor would do that many, and be on good form, you just burn out. No, no, good, good advice. Uh, I think it's fair to say as well that we, we all sort of conform into a nine to five. You know, we, we believe that's the way forward and that's how we should work the days, that's how we should be with clients. And actually, this concept of asking clients to come when we're meant to be seeking business from them, uh, controlling the relationship, if, if that's a fair word to use. How does your staff fit in the relationship with your clients? So, um, a bit of background. Obviously, this is about solo practices. You know, you run um, very successful businesses with a small team around you. Um, but success comes from collaboration and having a team as a key part of that. You both speak about the fact that you hold the meetings with clients and then you've got your staff that go away and deal with actions, etc. But how do you bring those in? Because from, from working with you both, y you run a really tight-knit operation. Okay, so 
I have a, my, my office structure is I have a practice manager who runs the show. Uh, my wife runs the finances. Um, I have a client account executive who looks after the clients. She's three quarter time, she's not quite full time. And I have a PA. Um, and I have an associate planner who um, is being trained up to basically replace me. Okay, mm. so that's that's the team structure. Um, I, I do all the meetings, all the meetings recorded. Um, I'll do the minutes after the meeting, uh, and then I send an email around to everyone. Oh, sorry, I forgot to say we outsource power planning as well to a firm called Parafinity, who we found are excellent. So I send a round robin email after the meeting, what was agreed, all the action points, and then that's it. So my PA runs my diary. She does all my emails. I very rarely get involved with emails. She does all my diary appointments. Um, all client communication, there's a tiered approach. Um, goes to the PA, client account executive, associate planner, practice manager, then me. So very rarely does a client communication come back to me um, without exaggerating. And it's not to show off. It's just to be brutally honest with you. Uh, and you can do this too if you want to. If you want to. It's only a choice thing. Um, I probably get maybe one client inquiry a week if that because it, it can be dealt with. Yeah. So this is your second iteration of Impact, and after that you went to Facebook. How was your day when you started? So I've been running, okay, so I've been running this process now for over 20 years. My son's 18, so it's been like this for about 20 plus years. Yeah, so I can't, if I'm honest, I probably can't really remember. It's more than that, more than 20 years. I can't quite. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been an advisor 22 years, but I, I know what you mean. At the beginning, and you, you're chasing your tail a bit. So let's say you you work for a big firm and you've got lots of staff and lots of uh, you know colleagues and all the rest of it. If you're an advisor and you feel quite lonely and you say, well, I've, I'm, I'm a hunter. I've got to go and find all this business and I've got to give it to someone and I've got to process it and who's going to do this? And, and obviously, you get to a point where if you're running your own firm, you've got to decide who's doing what. So there's an R&R's document. Uh, everybody knows their roles and responsibilities. You know, it, to me, it's obvious. The advisor, me, I give the advice. My power planner is technically writes the reports. My administrator processes the business, but so does the power planner. So unlike Warren, you know, I'm fending off, fending off, replying to client emails and phone calls all the time. You know, but it's quick and, and straightforward. And if it's advice-based, I'll obviously do it. If it's an email where the client says, actually, uh, they need some, something technical answered or something that my administrator, administrators can give them, uh, information for a tax return, for example, I'll say, I'll try and educate the client, say, we'll get in touch with them for that. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it, I think you definitely need the advisor, power planner, administrator structure. You know, I just don't know how uh, you, you would do it otherwise. S you know, and, and, and if, if you want to make sure you know what's going on, you know, we have a new business register, so every new business goes on there. All of the three of us know what's going on all the time. But, but the, the point, I think, is, you know, you've got to have the right culture and belief system in your, in your business. You know, why are you doing your job? Get that right first, the whole Simon Sinek start with why thing. We all believe in doing a great job for our clients and helping them achieve financial freedom. And, and the, if you get the culture right and you look after your staff before your clients... You'll, you'll do well. You know, I categorically use the courtesy system with my, my staff. I don't shout. I don't swear. I'm a northerner. I, I like swearing and shouting, quite frankly. But with the staff, I ask them, please and thank you, and would you like a coffee? And we all just get stuck in. Um, and, you know, you've got to uh, make sure you look after them first because they are the interaction quite often to my clients. They're a representative of my business, <laughs> you know, so it all counts. If you want a takeaway, I'd say that I don't actually think I'm incredibly bright. Um, but I have a very good system that I follow, and it's the system that works, you know. So I don't think I'm particularly special in any way. Um, I just think I have a system, and I follow the system, and it just seems to work. You got a question? Can I give a top tip in a minute, but we'll have a question. 
I would like an in-house power planner, yeah. Uh, do I need? I don't need anything. I can do it myself, but I'd like one. I'd like. I'd like an in-house. I like team. I like. You, you I, need. I, you need someone to do power planning for. Yeah, you yeah, can't so do everything yourself. No, but the question was. Yeah, the question was around outsourcing or stuff. Um, I am outsourcing. I'm quite happy outsourcing. I've got a fantastic relationship with them. So um, I think that, that as you build your business and you get more and more clients, you've got to decide, um, what am I going to do with the lower end ones? Uh, insofar as it sounds all very ter terrible to sort of segment them like this and say, well, you've only got this much. The reality is, you know, you've got clients with 50,000 or 100 grand. You'll have some that are smaller in terms of assets and requirements. If they've got a simple requirements, they've got an ICE, they've got a pension, you've got to very clearly, uh, with the whole consumer duty thing as well just sort of say well this is what you get and make it very clear that, that they don't get an annual report they don't get an annual face-to-face -face meeting but i say to everybody if you want to call and you want to email fine just do that call if there's an additional cost i will tell you beforehand you know so with them with the when we with all of the emails that we send out and the correspondence you know the clients are getting what we promised they'll get the ones that are paying for an annual review they pay our goal plan it's 60 pounds a month they get a written report and that cost is only 720 a year but that's subsidized by the fact that they've got probably half a million plus of assets paying at one percent you know so they're paying for it and i think that I, it was almost like uh, telling an advisor once that it, you know how it's the first time he'd seen fire that, that when i told him that i don't see all my clients face to face because his compliance system had said well, every client needs a report. Every client, and he's a, you know, his, his company was telling him every single client needs the same thing. They don't all need a report. They don't all want to report. You know, you, you give them what they want, and you make sure you, you've uh, set the right level of expectations, and then you deliver on what you've said. So you can't ever be told by the client, "You've not given me this. Why aren't you doing this?" Yeah, so it's 1% initial, 1% ongoing, with reduced fee charges after a million. Um, and then we have, in addition to that, for clients who go on our fee, think of it as ongoing financial planning support, they'll either pay bronze, silver, or gold, so 15, 30, or 60 pounds a month. And so, so even with, there are some clients at the top end that I, I, they've got over a million pound, two million, five million pounds of assets, and I give them complimentary. But I go, I hate this term. I never say something's free, and I don't like saying you get this as part of it because the clients don't value it. So I say the, the gold plan is sixty pounds a month. You know, you pay it because then the onus is on me to do this job and deliver all those things that are on there. So you don't feel bad about calling or emailing or asking for my time. They know what they're getting, what it's costing, and I really like that. I like it, and, and I do practice the ad valorem fee charging structure, yeah. So, so we've got to the point now where I'm at 85% capacity, so I'm asking myself, one of the chaps asked me, what's next? You know, and I, and I don't know if, am I right to talk about what's next? Not yet. Yes? Not yet. She's, She's going to ask the question. There goes the agenda. Um, but, but you do get to a point when you've got, obviously, too many clients, and you say, well, do I, do I take on another advisor and have them farm these clients and look after them? Um, do I sell this bunch of clients to another firm? You know, do I give them away? Do I let them drop off? Well, we have a very low attrition rate. And, and you've got to ask yourself, you know, if you're losing clients for whatever reason, if somebody's just leaving, they've got, there'll be a reason for it. You know, it's not just down to fees. It's not. You know, it's, it's, it's what are you doing for them? Are you giving them what you've said? You know, when they call, are you answering the phone? When, you, when they email, are you giving a decent response back? I, I'm sure you, you've had experience with big firms, whether it's Aviva or whoever, and you call or BT, you can't get through to anybody. The bank the differences, the very simple things, you know, clients phone, phone me and my team, they get through, you know, and we, we respond very quickly. And I like that. You know, we give them that level of service. And so we, we did, they don't drop off. <laughs>
you could be the best advisor insofar as passed all the exams, very qualified, chartered, certified, all the rest of it. I'm diploma. I'm not chartered. I'm not. I'm not uh, certified. It's your um, moment, Warren. And uh, Warren's got a gazillion qualifications. Everything under the sun, he he has. You know. You can do it though, Annie. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna we do put, one a year. He's told me I have to do one a year. Training needs to ask. I need four more to get yeah. chartered. One, yeah. one a year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, one of the, the points I made with, uh, with Kate the other day, I was talking about, and she asked me, and I was thinking, okay, so how do you build a million pound practice? You know, what is, what is the number one? And you're thinking systems, processes, is it efficiencies? It's a bit of all of that. But number one for me is learning how to sell. You know, I'm a mate. I come from a sales background. When I, at university, 97, 98, 99, I sold aerial photographs door to door. You know, I sold in America, then in the UK, and then frozen food door to door. If you've ever found, think what your job's hard, you're knocking on a cold door doing cold calling, that's I, hard. I, I would disagree. Yeah. I would say it's processes, definitely. Okay, well. Yeah. You put an average person <laughs> with a great process, keep doing it repeatedly, they'll get the sales. You put a great salesman with awful processes, they'll run a mock, they'll get struck It's off. a combination of yeah. those things, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I'm not saying it's just selling, yeah, but if you've not been on a selling course and you don't know how to sell, then go on one. Read The One Minute Salesperson by Spencer Johnson. It'll take Is you an hour and a half. It's brilliant. But part of Paul's process, um, I hope you don't mind me sharing, is that you run a 20-minute phone call. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both yeah. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Um, uh, they both do. Um, but in part of that is actually understanding the client and their situation. So do you want to share kind of the scripts around those? I would imagine everyone in this room does it. But hands up if you do an initial screening call before you take on a client. To say, so, okay, so, um, hey, look, I'm, to in Warren. I'm not sure that the service we offer are going to be value for money for you. Can I make a recommendation that there's a great book? I can send you a link. I've got, <laughs> I've got, I do, I, I'm not embarrassed. I've got a template on Outlook. So just bring up the template. I can send it to you. There's a great book. And then I refer them to Lexo and I refer them to the CISI Wayfinder. And that's it. But do you know what? Please come back to us if things change if you get stuck. Because I want them leaving feeling good. Mm -hmm. So then when they speak to their friend who's got a million pound plus, they say, do you know what? He couldn't help me, but he was a really nice guy. And I think you should give him a call. Giving them the honest review of where they're at at the moment and being very direct and telling them what they need to hear. And if they're not putting enough in, to tell them to put more in. But it's I, mean, I am very positive and optimistic in the meetings. I think that you can get bogged down by just reading to them this report. I'd rather spend the time talking to them and then give them the report later to read if, if you're going to, to do it. But I keep thinking, well, what else am I going to bring in that's going to be different from last year? How am I going to make it more interesting? So I, re I uh, refresh my agenda. You know, I, I just recently I've started to ask to the right client the Mitch Anthony questions on enough. You know, have you, have you had enough? Um, have you got enough money and assets? And will you have enough to do? And, and just the, the simple, the simple so one or two different things for a client and then get them talking about their future and say, All right, okay, good, well, we need to do this. We need to do this, you know? And so it's, it's, it's trying to keep it fresh and original for sure. I think it's similar. I think it's similar. I would probably say, um, you know, we, we, we really sort of say, you know, precious time's running out. You know, what haven't you yet done that you want to do? Um, and ironically, as people age, they, I don't understand it, but they want to spend less money. So it then becomes more about gifting. You know, why don't we give with a warm hand rather than a cold hand? If you're going to leave whatever amount of money, it doesn't matter how much it is, to your children, why wait until you die? They want it now, right? If you look back at your life, anyone who's in their 50s, okay, look back, wasn't the 20s and 30s financially difficult? And then the 40s get a lot more comfortable. So if you're younger, it gets better. And then 50s, I'm just approaching. I'm not 50 yet. I can't wait. It's going to be like rocket. <laughs> so it's like, if you're going to give money away, give it away now. Don't wait until you retire or you die. You're listening to Retirementals. So when I started my career, I started with working purely with accountants. I found solicitors very um, slow. 
So I worked with a, I worked with a lot of accounts, and I actually had a joint venture company with an accountancy firm for about eight years. Um, and yeah, it's good, but um, it's not as good as referrals because you're very more specific. And I think accountants test you when they start referring you. They refer you the dickheads. You know, they refer you the crap, don't they? Um, and you've got to take it and do it so you it, can't get more referrals. It, I think it depends on where you are in your journey as well. If you're, if you're a, a mature business insofar as, I mean, I think we're a mature business, I don't need any more clients. And I've gone through this mindset. I remember speaking to Brett about this and Brett Davidson. And I said, um, you know, I'm just getting a bit bored now because you're thinking, I don't need to take any more clients. I haven't got the capacity. What's next? You know, what do I do? And you all, everybody will get some drop off. And then, and for me, I'm thinking, right, well, I've got so many clients, I might sell on the bottom, you know, uh, 28 million, it's like, you know, uh, the, the 200 clients that, that is, is similar to the Pareto principle, but to get rid to make room up for that. And there's pros and cons of doing all of that. And you feel heartless sometimes doing it. But but in terms of the referral, going back to this this question about, uh, you know, taking on new clients. Yeah, yes, you have to ask for sure. But also, you know, I, I uh, will sit with a client that's got, you know, I really like that has, uh, you know, got a really good setup, a lot of assets, a bit of complexity and say, you know, who do you know who? Who do you know who's another similar client, similar caliber client to yourself you might want to use our services. I, I still ask that because I love taking on new clients. And I think you are only as good as your last meeting. So you've got to be practicing that new, that uh, your, your patter, your discussion points, you know, your meeting tactics, all of that. And that's why I still like to have the face-to-face -face meetings to sort of practice. But yeah, I'm just conscious of time and this gentleman's got a question. Then I, and they, there's a question here and then I want to come to sort of a summary uh, point. Two questions, basically. What tech software do you use, sir? Make your processes strong, and to have you recruit good staff. Okay, so the second one's really easy to answer. It's really difficult. Okay, <laughs> um, the first one: what tech software for the process is used for software called ClickUp. So it's not an industry software. So it's just a process task manager like um, Salesforce, and it's outstanding. It's really, really good. I love it. Every single thing in my life is on ClickUp. Yeah, so everything. Um, I need to do everything from following up my daughter because she's doing Gold Deer V and have you signed up for your residential yet to when have I promised to give that client a call back and I get little in tasks and I can delegate. and Yeah, it's really good. I think I'm a bit behind the times with regards yeah. to some of the software that people are using, the AI. And I've, I see advisors talking. I listen to, to Nick Lincoln, a friend of mine on the, the Trap podcast, talking about all the software and book this on Google and Google Meet and everything. Listen, we, we use uh, Transat for 95% of our assets. We use IntelliFlow back office system. You know, we use Microsoft One uh, uh, um, 365. You know, it's, it's, it's all Outlook. My diary is on Outlook. I don't have a personal diary and all the rest of it. I put it in there. But my team, basically, uh, you know, what else do we use? Software. We, it's nothing super complicated. We have an in-house proprietary cash flow modeling system. You know, we don't use Voint or anything else. I'm sort of a bit of a cynic when it comes to projecting for 30 years, quite frankly. It's good though, right? Two completely different models having a successful outcome. It's just got to work well right for you. Just very, very quickly on a, on a sort of a 10 second um, wrap up. The language, keeping it fresh, always challenge, make sure you're, you're changing life up when you're engaging with clients, solid processes, uh, trustworthy um, and reliable staff. I think it's fair to say don't take on a niche of clients. Work with everybody. Don't think I'm just going to deal with, you know, DB transfers. Um, we didn't actually move on to investment solutions, but you're both very much about evidence-based investing. I think keep fresh, be and practice as you feel. So keep fit, well-rested. 
Is that a fair summary? Yeah, definitely. I think you can only be as good as you as a, as your last meeting, as they say. And, and one of the things that Carl Widger mentioned, I don't know him very well, but of uh, Medis Island, I listened to him in a podcast and he said, you've got to be on good form, you know, well rested. You've got to be, you know, feel good about yourself if you want to be good in a client meeting. So top tip, you know, definitely look after yourself. Make sure you're in the right frame of mind to have a quality meeting with a client or else, you know, you'll just come across wrong. 90% of what they're buying is your body language, remember. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, thanks very much. I'll be remiss if I don't thank my incredible team who worked very hard to put this program together. Thank you, thank you very much guys. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Timeline Retirement Planning Software and Pytech Low Cost Flat Fee Model Portfolio Manager. And to you, our listeners, thank you for your time. I hope you've had as much fun listening to the program as we have making it. You can find more about the show at retirementals.co.uk and you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is Abraham on money. Until next time, thank you. Mm -hmm.